0: We are the Sacred Collective. All are respected, all are heard, all are welcomed. Join us.
1: Welcome everyone to another episode of the Sacred Collective podcast. Uh, We have another special guest. We have Milo Winslow. Milo and I met... Um online. I think we followed each other on Instagram and I found you also on TikTok, which we'll get into because TikTok is very great. Um, I am not a content creator. I am a lurker, which sounds creepy. It's not, but it's just very fun to connect with people in on the internet. Um so we're gonna get into into all this. I met Milo online. Um I posted a Instagram post I want to say like a month ago now. And if who wants to be on the podcast, just tell their story. And you reached out, Milo. So I'm going to stop talking and I'm going to turn it over to you, Milo. This is like a background of who you are, um, like anything you want to say, like where you grew up, what did you do, you know, what makes you, you?
0: Awesome. Like, that's a huge question. But here we go. Um, so, yeah, I'm mainly on TikTok and it's always that game, Milo. I keep it real simple so that I'm easily found. Um. So I was like raised in this little little tiny town in Kansas that was very, very, um, I would guess that they're 100% Republican, like they're very conservative. Um, and I grew up uh, super Southern Baptist. My parents got divorced when I was really little, and my dad and stepmom raised me, and my dad and stepmom became Southern Baptist when they got married.
1: Oh, gracious. And then my
0: mom married a Catholic. So, like, I've got Southern Baptist shame on one side and Catholic shame on the other. That's a double whammy. (laughs) Right, yes. And then, you know, just because my dad really hated the Pentecostal Church and, like, the Assembly of God, when I became an adult, I became a Pentecostal. I joined the Assembly of God, God Church.
1: Oh, that's a connection we have.
0: So, yeah, so there we go. Um, And so, yeah, so I, um, yeah, I'm... I'm a student. I'm studying to get my um, bachelor's in social work and eventually my master's in social work because I want to do mental health counseling. Um, I specifically want to work with LGBTQ plus people and religious trauma. Um, I wrote a paper last semester on religious trauma for my psych class and my teacher was like, you have to do your your dissertation on that or whatever, your thesis on that. And I was like, that was kind of my plan. Thanks for validating that, you know, like that's what I (laughs) want to do. Um, so yeah, that's, that's me. You know, I'm, I'm queer. I'm non-binary. Um, I use they them pronouns. I should probably say that. so people know. Yeah. I don't know. I just am who I am at this point, I guess.
1: (laughs) Awesome. Can you, I know, I know, and I'm sure a lot of our, uh listeners know but for people who have been living under a rock for i don't know a long time can you just briefly if you're okay just describe non-binary for I i would say people who maybe aren't as familiar with with that term
0: yeah so um i think a lot i think we're getting to a point where we're starting to see gender as more of a spectrum and so like we know that there are the binaries the like woman and male as far as gender goes, because gender and sex are different.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, sex is male, female, intersex. Um, and then gender is woman, male and in between. So on the in between, there's different identities like gender fluid, gender sliders, that kind of a thing for me, my um, lived experience of being non-binary is that I kind of feel like I'm without gender. Mm-hmm. Um, that, my experience of gender has never been a super feminine experience. Like I can pass as a female pretty easily. Um, but it doesn't feel like it fits real well. Like if, if we're talking about like, you know, the, how a glove fits like the, the glove of femininity fits so loosely that like it would slide off my hand. Okay. Um, whereas like being in the middle fits pretty well and masculinity doesn't fit
2: at all. (laughs)
1: All. <laughs> so, well, yeah, thank yeah. you for clarifying that. Like, like I said, I, I understand it, but I feel sometimes you know, people are like, there's so many different um, I don't know, I'm not going to say acronyms they're like GLBTQI, but I'll even have like co workers that are like, I feel like I'm not understanding all of them, or even sometimes listeners be like, I don't understand. Not understand it, but like I don't I wanna make sure I say the things that I should say that are right and understanding and I know to a lot of people they're like I don't I'm confused at the the non binary. So thank you for taking, you know, that brief moment to just explain um a little bit more concretely about it. So thank you. Um kind of wanna ask, you know, you were said where you like you grew up. I'm just curious of kind of like within your experience growing up, like in the church did you kind of always know, like, growing up, it sounds like you said you were growing up in the church quite a bit, the, did you always kind of know about your sexuality was different? Um, was it something that was later on in life? Because I know friends of mine personally who were like, I knew that I was gay or I knew I was queer or lesbian or whatever, That, um, but I could never talk about it. I never felt comfortable out until something else. Can you, if you're comfortable with it, can you maybe explain a little bit of how that all came about to you and in your, like, like, as you said, your lived experience?
0: Yeah. So I knew that like, so I was, I was raised socially a female. So I was socialized as a woman to be Mm -hmm. a woman. Um, And that's always important when we're talking about sexuality. So I knew when I was probably like seven years old, at the oldest eight that I was attracted to other females. Um, and I knew that it was wrong because I, at one point in time made a comment to one of my cousins. She was talking about having a crush on a boy. And I told her what girl in my class I had a crush on. And she was like, that's disgusting. Like that's wrong. That's bad. Um, and so I instantly was like, don't ever talk about that again, first off. Um, and then, in my memory, it was that same week at church. But we know that, like childhood memories, time is not real in childhood memories. No, like, no, it's not. So, but the way I remember it is that next that next Sunday at church was one of my pastor's sermons where he talked about sexuality, and I had one of those like I grew up with one of those um, brimstone and fire Southern Baptist preachers who's you know, the church is always hot and his face would turn bright red and he'd slam his fists on the pulpit when he was talking about things he really cared about. And in my memory, that next week, he had one of those sermons around homosexuality and around like, you know, a man cannot be with a man like he is with a woman and a woman cannot be with a woman like she is with a man. Um, and I mean, I was young and so sometimes I'm like, how did I understand what he meant? But when I look back, I think it's purely because sometime prior I had had this conversation with my cousin where she was like disgusted by it. And she wasn't raised with religion. She's six weeks younger than me. So she wasn't that much older than me, but she knew, you know, like in her mind it was disgusting. And so then when I heard the sermon at church, like I had enough context to be like, wait, that means that if I like this girl in my class, Like, my cousin likes this boy in her class, then that means that there's something wrong with me. Mm -hmm. That means that, like, I'm sinning against God, and that's not okay. And at that age, I already had a bunch of things that I thought I was doing that were against what God wanted me to do. So, like, adding another one on was terrifying.
1: Oh, my gosh. I'm I'm so sorry that uh, you had to go through that. I mean, everyone's story is their story, but it's just... I'm, you know, I'm a cisgendered, you know, white male who, you know, loves women. You know, it's why I married a wife. And so it, to me, it's easy. For me, it was an easier experience, obviously. But uh, all my friends who, my friends and family who are queer, uh, just hearing their stories and now even like hearing your stories, it's just like I sit back and I was like, sometimes I feel like I had it hard just growing up in the church, dealing with sexuality and purity culture and all these gender roles. So, uh, I always say to people, I, I'm i sorry that people had to go through that trauma because it's, it's bullshit that you had to go through it. So,
0: Well, in purity culture on its own is trauma. Oh like that's gosh, a thing, yeah. like purity culture on its own is trauma. But then you add in something like queerness or, mm-hmm. you know, being transgender or any of those things. And it's like, oh, so like trauma multiplied, you know, like it's because when you're, I don't know when you're so when you're being told constantly when you're socialized as as female when you're being told to like protect your body and guard it from you know guard your brothers and faith from sin, but then you're not being guard you know like you kind of start to see like am I guarding myself from sin because all of the people and all of the girls I'm surrounded by are also guarding our brothers in sin and it just makes us like really complicated. I don't know internal dialogue around all of it. Because then I'm also like always wondering: Are there other girls around me that feel the same way that I do? And am I causing them to sin? You know, and so that's a lot of that's a lot of burden put on a child.
1: Yeah, and I was actually talking to my wife the other day because my wife and I met. Like, I my background in schooling um, is uh, through a lot of conservative colleges and seminaries but i never was really conservative i just went there because that's how i was raised and i got into those schools it's fascinating when you tell people like and i tell people my background in schooling and they're like and you're the way you are because of why it is what it is but that's my true. wife and i met at an assembly of god school here in the twin cities because i'm in the M- minneapolis saint paul area and i can just remember growing up in the church, growing up like in this kind of really Pentecostal environment of them talking about purity culture all the time. And that's why I had, like, MJ on and I've had other, like, we've, like, because Sacred Collective before before the pandemic started was a bunch of, like, people, like, friends of mine, most of us from seminary who have kind of, like, deconstructed and some of us are atheists, some of us are Christians, some of us are, we don't know what the hell we are, but we kind of just have these conversations of being like, hey, like, and we came up with the name Sacred Collective because it's like we all have a sacred story to tell whatever that is, whether you believe in God or not, I feel like everyone is sacred. So we came up with that and collective is we're all a collective people. It's not a, as cool of a name as the name is people would think it is, but that's kind of like our, you know, mission statement, I guess, if to use that kind of language. Um But, you know, growing up in purity culture, it's like, I've talked with my wife and I'm like, I've been married to you for almost 11 years. And I'm like, I still, there's this one or 2% of stuff in my head that I still can't get out that purity culture as a straight white male, Okay. Have where I'm just like, is it okay if I do this to my wife? Like if I'm like, I'm asking her and she's giving me consent, but like, can I hug her? Can I like, is it, you know, Is some of these things where you're just like, I'm almost 40 years old and I'm like, can I, can I still do this? Is this okay? And my wife is like, yeah, the same thing is in my head too. Even though according to the church and according to wh- whoever, it's like, yeah, you guys are married, whatever. And it's just some of that stuff. And it's not as I'm not saying it's like bad for me at all. But I, you know, I've even told people and like I was talking to MJ a couple weeks ago where I'm like, it's much more for women, don't get me wrong. And and like you said, even for queer people, but even for a lot of men, men don't talk about it a lot. But I know a lot of men who grew up in the church with me who were like, we don't know anything about our body we think our body is just shameful and i think that's all the purity culture did for everyone was just realizing like we're all fucked up people they wouldn't say that but pretty much we're all wretches we're all pieces of shit and our bodies are our temple and we better not do anything sexual to it because god's gonna strike us down dead Then you get out of the church or you get out of that experience. Then you're like, well, I have a really fucked up version (laughs) of my body and of myself. What the hell do I do with it? Right. You know what I mean?
0: Oh, man. Well, and one I think one of the like topics that I talk about the most between like TikTok and Instagram probably is shame. Mm. Because like I grew up with a whole ton of shame. So like my parents got divorced when I was really little because my mom cheated on my dad and I found out when I was 18 that like I am the result of that cheating um which explains a lot of like the church how the church shamed me because they used a lot of my mom's behavior against me and it makes sense now but it didn't back then and so like shame was so such a big factor in my life like I missed church every other Sunday because I was with my mom and my mom didn't go to church Hmm. my stepdad took us to the catholic church sometimes but Otherwise, you know, we didn't go to church on Sundays. Um, And so, like, that was something I was shamed for. I was shamed for, like, looking like her, acting like her, sounding like her. And then on top of that, you know, I was shamed for I would ask questions that were, like, not allowed to be asked. I remember asking a question about something to do with Noah's Ark when I was, like, seven years old and having the teacher, like, look at me and tell me I wasn't allowed to ask that question, but that was not an appropriate question to ask. And I kept persisting. So she told me to ask my dad. And when I did, he just refused to answer. Like he just like went silent treatment on me. Um, and so I talk a lot about how like we use shame and how that creates like complex PTSD. And I honest to God, thank the purity culture movement has given almost every person that was raised inside of it. Complex PTSD. Like, I think we all are walking around with like this brokenness in our brains that doesn't know how to comprehend just being a person in relationship with other people, whether that's sexual relationship or just, you know, platonic relationships or familial relationships. Like we, they sexualize this all so much that like our brains are like, this is bad. I can't do this. I feel guilty. I feel shameful, whatever. Um, and that's, I mean, that messes up everybody. Like, that doesn't, there's nobody who escapes that without some kind of harm being done to their brain, you know?
1: Right. And and I just feel what popped into my head, too, is I could literally probably do 52 straight episodes, which would be for a whole year, of just purity culture and talking to people who went through it. And I know still, personally, like pastors that taught that or... You know, authors who still wrote that. And I actually just read the book, Jesus and John Wayne, which, oh my gosh, that book's amazing. Uh, I'm going to try. I'm trying to get Kristen and on the podcast. That's something I really want. One of my former guests said that they could do that. So we'll see. Um, but like, even in that book, like, she was talking about just like the religious right, or, like, why all this started happening is because the men were losing power. But then briefly she talked about you know the purity culture and I, i i don't know if like i'm very outspoken even like not just on the podcast but just in my personal life of how as a man as a white straight man how purity culture fucked me up and and i'm like i got kicked out of my youth group Because I, during one of these sex talks or sex weeks that they like to have at church, like where all the boys get together and then all the girls get together, like this kid who wasn't even from our church, but like he came with one of the, you know, youth students. This kid was talking about how, you know, he was horny and he, you know, he liked girls. What should he do? Like, you know, whatever. Just, you know, puberty, whatever. We were like Mm -hmm. in, I think, like 11th grade. And, like, the, the pastor was like, oh, you know, like, you, you, you know, your body's a temple of God, and, you know, your body's holy, you need to give it to your wife, and da-da-da-da-da. And then he was like, well, masturbation's a sin. And I'm thinking, hold up, what? You know, I was like, uh, I don't think that that's true at all. And I'm thinking at the time, I'm like, I masturbate, and it feels great. And, you know, it's like, <laughs> What? And I remember, like, my heart, Milo, was beating so fast. And it's like, like, it felt like whether you call it the Holy Spirit, whether you call it like just a conscience, I was like, this is some bullshit. I need to say something. So I raised my hand in front of like all these other guys. And I was like, that's wrong. I was like, that's just wrong. I was like, and I knew I was going to get in trouble, but I was like, it was like just bullshit, right? Like my bullshit detector went off. And I was like, masturbation isn't a sin. I was like, It it is something that's normal. I said, all creatures, all animals do it. If it wasn't normal and whatever, then why do we all do it? Oh, well, it's because it's sinful, da-da-da. And I remember my youth pastor came up to me afterwards. He's like, do you really regret what you said? I said, no, not at all. And he's like, well, you can't be in this youth group at all. And I said, I don't want to be under you if you're just filling these kids' heads with lies. And then it comes to find out like just a couple years ago, like two years ago, Him and his wife got divorced because of a moral failure, whatever, Um, which happens a lot to a lot of these people.
2: It does, yes.
1: So, I mean, all that being said was just like, and I'm, I'm an overweight guy. I've always been overweight. I struggle with a thyroid disease that I never knew I had until like five years ago. And I've always just personally, and I haven't said this on the podcast before, but I personally hate the way I look. But at this, and that's one of the reasons I've gotten tattoos all over my body because I just don't like, I don't like my skin. I don't like just you know just little tiny things. And and i like I don't say this to my mom or like my brother because they're gonna look at me and be like what? Like we didn't know this about you. And and and, and I know that Milo. It goes back to that purity culture where it was like you know like your body's terrible you know your body's a temple your body's terrible like if you touch yourself or if you look at somebody that you're attracted to and you know whatever and it was just like it was almost like in a way like the way i dress the way i act like my tattoos like the music it's almost like my way of like rejecting of this status quo of what's expected of me and w- and what yeah. the church and what society tells me and i always joke with people i'm like i'm a nonconformist because i said whenever the church tells me to do something i was like nope you know whenever society tells me to like do something then i'm like nope you know and like when religious yeah. people are like you need to do this i'm like why well because i say so and i'm like who gives you the authority to say that god doesn't know it doesn't <laughs> you know so
0: right yeah well you know we're starting to see a lot of um like nutritionists and sex educators coming out and saying like purity culture and diet culture are very, very linked because all of it is about micromanaging bodies and oppression and control of other people. And there's a great, um, I actually, I interviewed her for a paper that I wrote last semester. Her name's, um, Alyssa Rumsey. She's on Instagram and she's a nutritionist and she and, uh, Erica Smith have both done quite a few posts on how they're, how they're linked. It's something that I like dive into a little bit. Anytime I start to dive into like anti-diet culture stuff, it lasts about a week and then I get overwhelmed. And then I'm like, I just need to, I'm not there yet. Like that Mm -hmm. part of my journey, um, but they're both doing really great stuff, um, About that, because it is like anytime we're trying to control people's bodies or, you know, gatekeep people's bodies, like that is all it's all the same. It's just different pages of the same book, you know, Mm
2: -hmm.
0: and it sucks. And the other thing that I was thinking about, too, is like, if we believe in a God, like this is the thing that gets me with these youth pastors and masturbation. If we believe in a God and we believe that that God created our bodies. Mm -hmm. And then we believe that like the pleasure buttons on our bodies are made to feel pleasure. Then who are we to say that God has anything like gives two dams what we do
1: with those
0: pleasure buttons. Like why would he give us something that makes us feel good and then tell us you're going to hell if you use it. Right. Like that just has never made sense to me at all. Never at all.
1: One thing I asked my parents and knowing my daughter, who's very inquisitive, very, whatever, sometimes I'm like, oh shit, my daughter's going to ask these questions to me when she gets older. Like, I don't know. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? I don't know. Um, but I remember saying to my parents, even like when I was going through puberty, and I went through puberty a little bit earlier than most guys just because of my weight and my issues. So, my body thought it was older than what it really was. So, I started growing like facial hair and body hair at like, 11 or 12 where all my other friends like their voice hasn't even cracked <laughs> you know so i was like mm, okay i'm right. i you know i guess i'm doing this before everyone else but i remember even like some of these bible stories that we were told like adam or not adam but like mary and joseph well when you you're you read about it, you're thinking, oh, these people were like in their 20s or 30s. Well, no, you look at it in the way I was taught, it was like, no, Mary was really young. She was like 12 or 13, and like Joseph yes. was like 30, which is really perverted, and I mean, that was rape. If you, Well, con- you know, the Holy Spirit impregnated her. Anyway, but still, that's still gross, but I remember going to like my parents, and I was like, if sex before marriage is wrong... Then why did God create us to for women to have their periods super early and for guys to have semen super early when we're not supposed to use any of those bits and for like another 15, 20 years? And they just looked at me and they were like, Why did you like who asked this question? <laughs> you know, like, why did you ask this? And I it's was like, No, I'm serious. Question. I was like, I was like, it's a valid question. I'm like, if this is sinful and this is wrong. Then I'm like, why do women sometimes as young as 10, 11, 12 get their period where in our society you're not even adult for like six or seven years later? And, right. and I was like, I just don't get that. And they were like, oh. Uh. And then I was and I would tell my parents, I'm like, if masturbation was wrong, then why exactly what you said, Milo? Then why did God or whoever you think created us give us these pleasure spots and pleasure sensations if we were not supposed to use them? And I, I just don't get that. And I think you're like with that too. Like, uh, why, why is this wrong? Why is this sinful? Whatever. If they're in our own bodies and that we should experience it.
0: Right. Well, and that's one of those things that like, okay, so first off, like honor that sacred curiosity. I've been on this huge thing about sacred curiosity lately because I was like shamed out of don't ask. I was shamed out of curiosity. I was ashamed to like not ask questions. Um, And now I'm realizing that my questions are what, like, drive me to, like, be a better human most of Mm -hmm. the time. So, like, I ask a question, like, why is masturbation sinful? Then I realize I don't think masturbation is really sinful because I can't believe in a God who would give us pleasure and then take it away. Right. Like that. And so then I'm like, now I'm not a person who will tell someone else that masturbation is wrong or sinful. So, like, you know, so my questions always end up leading me to, to something that's far more sacred which is connection with humans and um empathy and and justice and things like that um but like when we're talking about um just like going to our families and asking them these questions and then like they're just flabbergasted or shaming about it when the reality of it is is like that is something that is like integral in words are heard for me sometimes <laughs> um it's intricate Intr- I can't say it. Integral.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I have a
0: slight T. Yes. I have a slight, slight TBI and sometimes it shows up in how I pronounce words and then I, and I know they're wrong. So anyways, but it's so, it's such a part of who we are as humans is to ask these questions, you know? And so it's, it's interesting to me because I hear a lot like people on TikTok or in my Instagram DMs being like, I wasn't allowed to ask these questions and now, like, I need to ask these questions, but I don't want to ask these questions. Like, they're scary to ask to people that I don't really know, you know, or whatever. Um, and the thing of it is, like, I don't know, I, I think I've mostly gotten to a point where I'm like, I can't believe in a God who won't let me ask the hard questions. Mm. I can't believe in a God who, if I say, you know, like, why would you give me something that's pleasure related and then tell me not to use it. Like, what kind of torture is that? Right. Cause it is, especially when you're such a young, when you're such a young kid and you've got that and you're feeling those feelings, like that's a, that's a level of torture. And I just, I hate that for people that we have to go through that and have, you know, we live in that for so long. And not only that, but like I, I grew up with like the super belief that, um, sex, sex is only for, um, conception like you're only supposed to have sex to try to conceive to try to make a baby um and then i was infertile like i had to have a hysterectomy because none of my female organs worked i had a bunch of disease and illness and stuff and so it's like okay so does that mean i'm never supposed to have sex because that's not happening like you know and there are a lot of women and men both who are infertile and can't have children and so are we just saying like oh that means that God doesn't want you to have sex with your spouse that you're now married to because you didn't know this before you got married. Right. Right. You know? And it's just, it's one of those, it's just so much control, like all the time. It's just control. Um, and I, I kind of enjoy getting into this argument with people on TikTok when we're talking about um, like gay marriage and stuff like that, when they're like, Oh, sex is between a man and a woman. It's only supposed to be to conceive. And I'm like, what about all of the cisgender heterosexual couples that can't conceive like why don't you understand that as also being problematic because not everyone can just conceive
1: very true and not just that but look throughout history and i'm not even talking about like biblical history but just look through history there's people all throughout the centuries who have had sex just for sex you know, right. for just pleasure, for pleasure. And I mean, I, I grew up in not, I didn't grow up that hardcore where, where like sex was for procreation. That was the ultimate thing, the ultimate goal. But it was like, well, sex is fun. Sex is pleasurable, but it has to be with your spouse. And it's like, right. well, and I, I was always told too in the church, well, you know, if you have sex before you're married, um, then part of your personhood part of your spirit is forever connected yeah i know what you heard that too for, for you know for, for, for like part of your spirit part of your or whatever whatever this mystery thing is is going to be forever connected to that person and i wasn't a virgin when i married my wife and i looked at her and, and i was like well does this like freak you out she's like no n- not at all and i was like but we were told in quote-unquote purity culture that you know part of me is with these other women i've slept with she's like no it's not and i was like i know and i was like those people meant something to me at a time that's why i did that's why i had sex with them but now and it's like those people i care about I, i haven't seen them or met you know talked with them in decades But I still care about them because I cared about them as a time in my life. Now, do I care about them as like, because I had sex with them, that I have this like weird spiritual connection? Not at all. But that is what that purity culture, and in a lot of churches still, not like mainline churches, but I still hear that narrative preached from evangelicals where it's like, well, you shouldn't have sex, you know, with people that you're not married to because you're going to be forever linked to them. And I'm like, that's control that's guilt. Mm-hmm. That's shaming, and it's pretty much saying that you can't be intimate and share. You know, because anybody would say sex, no matter who it's with, is is love. Like you do, it's like a form of love, though, to a lot of people. That it's like the right. b- best way you can connect. And I don't. I'm like cool. And, and I'm personally not one of those people for a one-night stand. I couldn't do that. I'm not going to judge people who do it. But I don't know. I think there's just so much shit built up within the church where it's this... Going back to that, I think everything's going back to purity culture with our conversation. But it's it's, it's just built into, I think, all of us who grew up in the church of, like, sexuality, sex before marriage, masturbation, whatever, is just so inundated with this, I don't know, like you said, the shame. It goes back to that word, shame, Mm -hmm. of, like, our bodies are terrible, everything is terrible and wrong, and we shouldn't even enjoy ourselves.
0: Right. Yes. Yeah. So I was taught about like the connection. I was taught about soul ties. That's how they explained this to me. My last church, I was involved in a a prayer ministry. Um, I left when they were trying to pray. Like we got right to let's pray away the gay, and that's mm-hmm. when I was like, "Sayonara." Um, but I uh, so I was involved in this prayer ministry, and and so it was praying through soul ties, like severing soul ties is what they called it. And you had to do it with any sexual partners. You had to do it with any like abusive relationships. So like I have some abusive relationships with all four of my parents and like praying to sever those soul ties of, of hurt and harm. But on the sexual ones, like it was so weird. Cause like you sit there and I'm, I'm in this room on this couch and there's these two elderly women doing this with me. You know, one of them's like in her early sixties. One of them had just turned seventy, and so I'm sitting there, and they like want to know about all of my sexual history. And I went through a time where I really wanted to be straight. And I, this may be too crude to say on the podcast, but I'm going to say Go it. For you it. can decide if you want to edit it out. I went through a time where I like tried to screw myself straight for several years. With guys that I obviously didn't care about because I don't have the capacity to be attracted to a man. Mm
2: -hmm. And
0: so like for years I did this. And so that list was a little too long for my liking even now. Um, and I'm sitting there with these women who are trying very hard to like acknowledge the fact that there was a point in my life where I wasn't a Christian in between being raised as a Christian and then showing up at this Pentecostal church. Um, because my mental health was trash and I knew my mental health was trash because of how I was raised in the church and I walked away for quite a while. Um, and so like you're sitting there and you're like, and you're telling them these stories and I'm, you know, saying like, you know, God, please forgive me and all of these things. And like, I look back now and I'm mortified because first off, like it was like my consent in this situation was very, very small. Like I showed up and I wanted to do it. I worked for the church and I needed to like clear out the sin in my life. That was a part of it to an extent. And I also just was a little bit more easily manipulated back then. And so my consent was very small, but I told them the stories because I wanted help. Like I genuinely wanted to feel better. I wanted, um, I didn't want to have depressive episodes anymore. I didn't want to have like, weird nightmares that i had been having for years. I didn't want my to have anxiety anymore. And I mean, I was with a real therapist at that time. But these women were telling me that all of this hardship in my life was created by the fact that I had all of this past sin. And that if I went through and I cleared out all of this past sin, that that would then help me to not have so many symptoms. And so I'm doing these things and I'm trying my hardest to clear out all of this past sin. And then realizing like my mental health was only getting so much better. And honestly, it was only getting so much better because of the work I was doing in my mental health counseling Mm -hmm. that a lot of like what they were talking about in these prayer sessions was blocking. You know, my counselor would try to encourage me to like, thank for myself and to take care of myself in different ways and then these women's women would tell me that like that god wasn't okay with those things and so when i finally like what got me to leave that church was i was like i have to come out i'm gonna die in the closet it's going to kill me if i have to marry a man um and so i had to find a different job i had to find a different apartment and then like came out and left the prayer sessions all at the same time but it's been amazing because once I got past the initial grief of leaving the church, because there was grief, because there were people there that I cared about, like, I'm so much more free. Like, I don't, I, I still have the, the, you know, like, I skipped, I haven't been going to church at all, because I realized I don't really think I believe in God anymore. But I'm still affiliated with a pro- progressive church in town. And on Sunday morning, I woke up and I was like, why did you sleep through church? You should have gone to church. Mm-hmm. I worked until two o'clock. Saturday morning or Sunday morning. Cause I drive Uber and I'm like, why did you go to, why aren't you at church? Like, why didn't you go to church? And so sometimes I have to be like, okay, we're going to settle that down. Like <laughs> we don't need this. That's an old message. Um, but for the most part, like on a day to day basis, I'm pretty free of all of that. Like mm-hmm. I, I live pretty authentically myself and I am not super concerned with what church people think of me. I really like when I'm out on a date with a woman and I run into someone from my old church and I get to be like, let's make this look like a date (laughs) so that the homophobe sitting over there knows Um, like that kind of stuff. Like I can, I can, I can, I can fly with that. Um, but there are times where it just like the message is there, but I'm a lot more free and a lot less concerned about like, am i going to go to hell when i die how about right now while i'm alive i just live with a little bit of pleasure and freedom
1: and that's fantastic and i'm i'm so i'm so happy that you found that freedom you know that you found that safe time that safe place to come out and um it, you know and i'm sa- i'm sad that you had to you know like pray those soul you know sever those soul ties whatever you said or pray the gay you know that pray the gay way when you're like i am gay and i'm not gonna pray this away because this is part of me Mm. um yes which i kind of leads maybe into what we've kind of been talking about but like deconstruction that the big d word um like i know for me one of the big things because people ask me like how did you start deconstructing and i think for me the first thing that really started going was the concept of hell And, Mm -hmm. and yeah, I'm, you know, seminary trained and all that stuff. But even when I was in seminary, I first came out as like a universalist and was like, oh, yeah, I believe, you know, I believe God's going to, you know, save everyone and blah, 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 blah. And then when what really solidified it to me, and this confuses my family to no end, which is fine. But what really solidified it to me where I don't believe in hell is having a kid. And people are like, well, what does that mean? And I was like, so, and 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 I will. And it's hard to describe, like, when, as a parent, you know, and, and, like, knowing that this child is part of me, like, came from me, I was like, mm-hmm. there's nothing that my daughter can do that's going to separate me from my love for her. Like, there's not. I'm like, if she does some stupid stuff growing up in her life... She, you know, she murders someone. Yeah, she's going to go to jail. If she, you know, breaks the laws, you know, she'll have to pay the, you know, time for the crime she does, all these things. And I'm like, but I will never stop loving her. I will never start, stop supporting her or caring for her. But yet Christians preach a God that is like, Oh, you don't believe the way I want you to you don't live the life the way I want you to, well, not the way God says it, but the church says it, then you're going to burn in hell for all right. of eternity, and I hate you. And I was like, how in the world does that sound like a loving God? That's not. And I and I tell people, the God of the Old Testament and the Jesus that we see in the New Testament are different versions of God. And people are like, no, they're not. I said, yes, yes. they are. I said, if any, yes. anybody who reads the Bible, God of the Old Testament, Yahweh... Is what God was called. And then you see Jesus in human form. I said two totally different understandings of God. And I was like, I want to believe in the God that we see in the New Testament who kicks ass, you know, hates religious people, hates politicians, and I want to reject the old testament God. And people are like, Well, you can't, it's one and the same. Anyway, but I would tell that to like my family and like people in my family who are conservative, and they're like, that just doesn't make sense. And I'm like, your parents. Like, when you became a parent, the whole idea of hell should just be like, nope, this just doesn't exist.
0: But the problem there is that some people don't have that level of empathy. Like, I have some friends who are still technically evangelical. I mean, they're not homophobes. But that's about where they're like, They then they're evangelical after all of that. And I asked them one time, like, Because I got to a point where I was like, I can't believe in hell anymore. And they were like, well, that's ridiculous. Like, what do you think happens to bad people, basically? And I and I posed to them like, what would you do if your daughter, like, if your daughter had done all of these horrible things, and you just was so, she had, you know, she had broken laws, she had stolen money from you, she had done the worst things imaginable to you, would you still love and forgive her? And they're like, it depends on how much horrible stuff she's done. And I'm like... How the hell can you justify that? And these are the same friends that, like, you know, my dad went no no contact with me because I had mental health issues. So did my stepmom, and now I'm no no contact with my mom because she's pretty transphobic and problematic in a lot of ways. And these are the same people who over and over again told me like your family should never no, never go no contact with you. Like family is family. They should love you no matter what. And they told me that that day, and I was like. That was, I mean, we've not hung out much since then, because I'm like, how can you tell me that? Because you love me and you see that, like, I'm doing the best I can as an adult, but you're telling me you wouldn't forgive your daughter. Like, that's not okay. And there are so many evangelical parents who, because they do believe in a conditional God, mm-hmm. they'll preach an unconditional God and then put conditions on on the love. But they they believe in an unconditional God. And I think that they, they do like that. That's why so many LGBTQ plus people don't have relationships with their family because so many of those families go, well, you know, you have to do the work to earn, you know, you have to do the work to earn your way to the kingdom. And if you're separating yourself from God, you are putting us at risk from separating ourselves from God. So like, we can't do that. Um, and recently I've been like, really into there's a, a TikTok creator who is talking a lot about how like religion is like an addiction and she's comparing um they i think her i think their pronouns are they mm. sorry i'm trying to remember um but they are comparing um like people who are de- deconstructing because of religious trauma in their families to people who um, ad- join ACOA, which is adult children's of alcoholics, mm-hmm. and how like the trauma, like the CPTSD trauma symptoms are very linked. Like they're very much the same. And part of it is because when our parents are worshiping these this God and they believe everything this God says, it's just an addiction. It's an addiction mm-hmm. to the religion. And it will make them do whatever they want to their children because they're doing it in the name of God. And like, so you know, and this is something actually. This was one of the things that started uh, Walms and I talking on TikTok. Was he had made a video talking about how um, the difference between sec- secular humanism and Christianity is that a secular humanist always thinks of the, the people that they could harm first, whereas when you have a God. in in the Bible telling you what to do whenever you want to do something that's not morally right you can just say well God told me to do it and like the second I saw like that video and then started watching these religious trauma addiction you know parental addiction stuff videos I was like oh my gosh that's what it is like they use God to justify their actions but they worship God over everything else and so it doesn't matter how much you hurt your kids how much trauma you cause your kids if it's in the name of god then that means that it's okay that means that you know that's justifiable and i look at my own family and i can see like i had a a suicide attempt in 2012 i had to be flown to another state to a hospital my dad called me on the phone and and started crying because he just felt so bad because he wasn't going to get me and get to see me in heaven because i had tried to kill myself no how does that help the kid How does that help a 20 year old to like, feel like they're loved and supported? It didn't like, all it did was like really damage our relationship. And I think back to that. And then like, I, I, I knew he wasn't biologically my father at that point. So there was a lot of drama in that relationship, Mm. but I think back to that. And I just am like, that's, that's pure evil. If your God tells you to tell someone who's sitting in a hospital bed, having been, brought back to life the night before, that they're going to hell because they tried to kill themselves. If your God tells you that, that's evil. Mm -hmm. Like that statement is evil. Um, And justifying saying that to a child is never going to be okay. And I know I was 20, but I was his child. Mm -hmm. You know, I was still, he had still raised me. He was still the parental authority in my life that I looked up to at that point in time. And so, but he can justify that because God told him to.
1: Gosh, I'm. Oh God, that's so brutal. I'm sorry, but what you were said though is so true. Of, I think most people, and I think you kind of, you kind of like snuck into my head a little bit because this is how I'm feeling a lot about faith and religion. Is people. This is how I use it. I use different language, but I'll say Christianity to most people, it's get out of hell free card. Um. But it's, it's, they don't understand Christianity. They don't understand the Bible. They're just like, well, and I actually have family who I'm like, if you, if, if you found out that there, you know, Jesus saves everyone, that, that there is God, that there's a heaven and everyone goes to heaven, like even Hitler or even like all the, any of these bad people, that God somehow sanctifies all these people, how would you feel? And they're like, well, what's the point of believing in Jesus then, if everyone if everyone goes to heaven? And I'm just like, and and exactly what I said, Milo, was. I was like, then you're believing in Jesus and Christianity for all the wrong reasons. And I tell people all the time when I still because I, I tell people I still love Jesus and like the message of Jesus. I just think the church is toxic, and people are like, I, I don't know. It's just it's just frustrating because. I'm like, I think Jesus did not, and Jesus even said he did not come to start a religion. Jesus came to start a, a new way of thinking, a new, like, philosophy. It's no, to me, it's no different than, like, Buddhism or other kind of philosophies. And, and that's, so it's like, if you're, and I don't think you have to be a Christian to be a nice person or to have morals That's ridiculous, but I'm like, Jesus came to want to bring people to be like, Hey, you be nice to other people. Why? Because you're supposed to, you know, live in the here and now, love people, take care of the widow and the orphan and the poor. Why? Not because I told you it's because you're supposed to do it. And And, and when you hear people say things of like, Oh, I can't, you're not going to go to heaven, or I'm not going to see you in heaven because you tried to kill yourself, or because you're queer, or whatever. Whatever anybody says to their kid, it's terrible and it's nasty right. and it's and like you said, it's evil. And and like when you were saying that, like I literally like almost started crying because I'm like, how the fuck does someone say that to someone with the straight face and with like all this? Like that's just so foreign to me, Milo. I'm just like thinking about it as a parent. I'm like, I could never ever in a million years, say that to my kid ever.
0: And that's because you care more about the human than the, the deity that's telling you how to live your life, you know? Um, and that, that shows a lot of empathy and compassion and love. And I very much appreciate that, especially when I hear it from men. Cause I hear it a lot from women. It's, it's less often in my life at least that I hear men kind of vulnerably say like, that's not okay. And so I appreciate that a lot that Mm. you're saying that. Um, Because I think one of the things like we have like moved so far, even in some progressive Christian churches, I'm going to say this very gently, but um, Mm. we've moved so far from like what Jesus actually was because we held on to all of that old Testament. And honestly, I think most evangelical churches Worship Paul. Mm-hmm. I I think that the big thing is Paul because I can tell you like if I pulled out all of my old sermon notes and all of that like we went through all of Paul's stuff at nauseum. But we ver- the only time we ever went through the gospel at my last church was when it came up because Paul had referenced <laughs> something that Jesus had did. Like we yeah. had one series where it was like um, I don't like Jesus. Um. Who is Jesus? And in those sermons, like, it was mainly based in the Gospels, but there is a lot of Paul, considering the fact that Paul didn't know Jesus when Jesus was alive. And so, it's just like, you know, I think that, and Paul was a lot about control, and, and you know, Jesus didn't come to start a religion, but Paul did. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing, I think that it's very easy to follow what Paul says, because Paul's intention was to create a church. And I don't think Jesus's intention was to create a church. I think Jesus's intention was to create a social movement. Absolutely. I think Jesus wanted to see all of those religious leaders knocked down and see people taking care of people. Um, and that's just one of those things that like, it gets me. Um, it was like my old church. So I, I worked there for a few months as um, an administrative assistants, assistant. And when I very first started going to the church, I was out as some form of queer. I think at that point in time, I was maybe out as pansexual because I was still trying to hold on to the like, maybe I can be heterosexual.
2: (laughs) Um,
0: You know, whatever. Um, And I was very, very liberal. And the people who took me to the church were also very liberal, but they're more on the evangelical side of christianity at least obviously Mm -hmm. because they took me there and they had been at this church for 22 years um but because these people were liberal and had taken me to this church i thought i was safe there so like i at one point in time made a comment to the pastor about how i didn't vote how i voted for hillary like reluctantly because i really would have rather voted for bernie and he went off on, like, a Trump rant and how much he loves Trump, no, basically. Sweet. Trump's policies. Not Trump as a person, but Trump's policies. Of
1: course, of course. And
0: so, like, that's when I, like, closeted. Like, that moment was when I was, like, no politics, no sexuality, nothing. Um, but I remember, like, standing there going, like, if Jesus was alive right now, Jesus would not like Trump. Mm-mm. Like he would be all about Bernie's type of politics, at, at least in the U S you know, maybe some different differences here and there, but of like, course. he would be far more socialist and far more like, um, not, I don't know. Cause we talk about big government and little government and that's a whole other topic, but Jesus would have been pro like help each other. Mm-hmm. And when this pastor went on this rant, he told me, you know, I think that all of our social welfare programs actually should be coming from the church. Like this should be on the church's back. Well, then I started working there and I got put in charge of like taking the calls for like benevolence and the way that he like hoarded our benevolence fund, like made me realize that everything he had said about how the church should, um, be in charge of social welfare was nothing that he was practicing.
1: He was taking a benevolence fund?
0: Well, we so we had a benevolence fund, but it was only allowed to be given to members of the church. It couldn't be given to anyone in the community who didn't attend the church. And they had to have signed like a partnership contract because we didn't have members. We had partners. Um, which just makes me roll my eyes. It's which is a still thing.
1: members, but still, yes.
0: It's members, but a partner is more required to vault. You like have a set number of hours you have to volunteer. Oh. You're supposed to be involved. You're not supposed to just be consuming church. You're supposed to be participating.
1: That's just kind of <laughs> weird.
0: Problematic in itself, yeah. in and of itself. It's like the upfront, like, we're going to tell you, we're going to use you. Um, but yeah, so like y- you couldn't, nobody from the community could use it. Um, and the problem with that was, is the, ma- the majority of the people who, had, who were partners at our church were people who are higher up on the social economic ladder. You know, they were people who didn't need a benevolence fund. And when I worked there, we never once gave out a penny of benevolence. And I just was like, so you're saying you want this to be for social welfare, that the church should do social welfare. But this single mother who can't buy groceries for her kid and just got denied by snap because of her ex-husband, like we can't give her a hundred dollars to go grocery shopping. Like, why is that? Well, she's not a partner at the church. Okay. But like, that's problematic. Like Mm -hmm. that's an issue, you know? Very much so. Uh, And so that was just, that was one of the things I think I was like already deconstructing while I was still there before I even realized I had to leave to come out as gay because of things like that. But the big kicker for me for deconstruction was like, I'm gay and I can't continue to believe in a God who just hates me for who he made me to be. That doesn't make sense. You know?
1: Right. Right. Oh my gosh. I feel like we have to stop here just because we both have lives and there's things we have to do today. I will say this. I hope I've I've had a fantastic conversation. Um, yes. Um. I, I would. I ask this to all my guests, but I really hope you would want to come back in the future. Um. Continue this. Uh, I'm just having. I think not only am I learning from you, but I hope our listeners do. But I still think that there's so much more we could talk about oh
0: definitely yes i would definitely be willing this has been a great conversation thank
1: you um i want to end on a lighter note or try to end on a lighter note um because we just got shit got heavy okay it did um just being funny kind of a lightning round this isn't like i'm not gonna freak you out with like crazy questions the more fun questions are you cool with that
0: I am totally cool with that.
1: Okay, so what is your drink of choice? It, it, I mean, and it could be alcoholic, non-alcoholic, whatever. What is something that mm-hmm. you as Milo, you're like, I have to have this, and it's so good. Oh,
0: man. So I'm a, I'm lame. I'm a really big water drinker. The person I'm dating makes fun of me a little bit for that. But I also just like like crisp Coca-Cola, usually from McDonald's, because McDonald's has the best Coca-Cola. <laughs>
1: I can get behind that. I need to drink water more, um, especially in super hot. The Twin Cities, oh my gosh. We're not very hot up here, but this summer, across like the whole country, it's hotter than molasses. Mm -hmm. And like, I have a
0: friend who lives up there and she's like, I left Nebraska to get away from this.
1: Yeah, apparently not it is just so so hot like this whole week is supposed to be like in the mid 90s i'm like yes it's the hottest like 90s are not even in our vocabulary for weather it's like yeah 80 85 even 89 that's cool once it gets into the 90s we're like we're in hell we're literally in hell like i'm like i give me 40 degree weather is where i can wear sweatshirts and i'm fine with that okay yes. i i don't like coke i used to it's too much for me um I will say I'm I'm a big fan of Diet Pepsi, so um, I that's how I get my caffeine in the morning. Um, next question: uh, Where is like a favorite vacation spot? It could be when you were growing up, or it could be now where you're like, whether you went there once or you went there like a hundred times. Where's like a spot that you're like, I really, really like this and enjoy this spot.
0: Okay, so I'm such a Midwesterner. So I've only ever been to like one actual place for vacation. But I actually just went there like three weeks ago, or a week ago, two weeks ago, whatever. Um, so like Colorado mountains,
1: Oh um, nice. I went
0: up to Estes Park a couple of weeks ago and just kind of like chilled out in the mountains. And yeah, I, love I like Col- that. <laughs>
1: I want the one family, like big family trip outside of the Midwest because Midwesterners, we just don't leave. I mean, I'm traveling more. My wife and I are actually going to Boston for our anniversary this fall. So we're we're traveling out out east. But like my family, we grew up in always going to Duluth here or we had family in Missouri. So we'd go there. But my family vacation when I was 10, we went to Colorado and we went to, like, Pikes Peak. We went to, like, Garden of the Gods. Like, mm-hmm. And there we drove into Aspen. It, it was incredible. So I agree. Like, that yeah. Colorado, just the whole state is gorgeous. Let's right. admit it.
0: Well, I, and I grew up, like, three hours away from Denver. So, like, it was closer to go to Denver than to Kansas City. So we usually went to Denver. <laughs> so, yeah. like, all of our vacations were there.
1: Oh, I love it. I need to go there more. Um, Last thing, if... What is what is a book? I guess two Potter. What is your favorite book? And what book would you like? You know, like say this book is so good and so meaningful that I need you to read it. Like you would literally give it out to people.
0: Okay, so my favorite book. Oh man, oh man! I should have been preemptively told about this question. I know. I'm sorry. Uh, no, you're fine. Um. So as far as like fiction goes, I still love John Green. I know that a lot of people find him a little problematic, um, but I could probably read The Fault in Our Stars like 400 times and be fine with it or looking for Alaska. My book that I always tell people, like, you have to read this book. I'm a huge Brene Brown fan. Um, I just am. I want to be her. Um, someday so um, braving the wilderness is one of my favorite Brene Brown books because it talks a lot about like how we how we change social systems and I try to like live my life from that book in that you know like we can't shame systems or people into changing we have to meet people with empathy and compassion and yeah so I really
1: really love that book awesome I i I've Read Brene Brown a little bit, but not as much as I should. So that's that's on me. Um, but yeah. after all the years being in school and being told what to read, I'm just trying to catch up on like novels. And I you know, I love I love novels. I, I particularly like horror novels, because I love horror movies. So I'm just trying to catch up on all that stuff. So my list of books to read is enormously long. Um this last part, Milo, is where is it your time to shine? Where do you want people to find you? you know on your slice of the internet where people can find you i should say
0: so yeah i'm mostly just on tiktok and instagram i have a twitter that i don't use a whole lot but sometimes i get on there so it's just that gay milo all one word um on instagram twitter and tiktok mostly tiktok
1: awesome thank you so much milo for this conversation it has been a blast and you've taught me a lot so i appreciate that and thank you and we'll be in touch in the future for a future episode if you would be so kind to come back on
0: yeah i absolutely would be up for that thanks so much this was great
1: all right have a good night yeah you too bye
0: thanks for being part of our conversation to continue the conversation find us on social media at sacred mn
1: you were a new language i was learning to speak It was rough around the edges, but good enough for me, it was good.